Hello out there world. Welcome to episode 16 of the Modern Educator Podcast. I am joined today by my good friend, Mike. So Mike, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself to the world? Hey everybody. Uh, first of all, Corey, thank you for having me on this, on this podcast. Um, it is absolutely an honor to be here. My name is Mike. I'm a high school teacher at a school in San Diego called Westview. And I've been teaching for, so overall, I've been teaching for about 10, 10 or 11 years now. And uh, yeah, and it, it, it's, it's a blast. It, to, for, for me, and I think for our personality, I think it's the best job in the world, you know? Yeah, and, and, and Mike and I have had years of meetups in San Diego or in Las Vegas where we get Korean barbecue and just share war stories of the classroom. So this oh. is now are doing it in an online podcast form. So I'm really all, excited. All we need is a sizzling sound in the background. And then, and, and I think uh, that, that will complete the Korean barbecue experience. But um, man, we, we have gained many a pounds, you know, at, at that Korean barbecue place. Uh, yeah. Oh man, if, if, if only we could be there now. So uh, anyway, Mike, why don't you uh, uh, talk about what subjects you've taught over the last 11 years? Yeah, uh, thanks. So, um, so I started off, oh man, I started off as a, basic algebra teacher. Uh, that was back when the algebra classes were still, you know, back when math was not common core related. So we would go algebra, geometry, <clears throat> and uh, algebra two. They'd go on to pre-calc and then calc. Um, so when I first got hired, um, I actually didn't have my full math credential. I had the, uh, so the math credential is parsed into two styles. There's the, what they call the uh, basic math credential or the uh, foundations foundational level math credential, which allows you to teach algebra through geometry, which in today's modern common core world is integrated math one, integrated math two. Um, and I was actually perfectly content with doing that. In fact, I, you know, I, I was not a math major. I, I'm a sociology major coming out of San Diego State uh, University. And uh, the only reason initially I wanted to teach math was because that was the, that was the easiest thing to get a job for. You know, I couldn't teach history because there was so hard uh, to find history positions uh, at the time. And, uh, and actually, I think all the time, right? I mean, I think the history and uh, humanities, those are hard to apply for. I mean, they're easy to apply for, but they're hard to get interviews for. Not hard in Nevada, I'll say that much. <laughs> um, and so, um, so it came down to science, math versus special ed. And honestly, after being a sub for a year, you know, special ed just wasn't, you know, I praise all special ed teachers because it's just not what I can do. It's not, I, I don't have a skill set for it. Um, and, uh, and in science, I am just such a messy person. I mean, you know, if, if you look at my desk, even right now, my dinner table has been converted to my desk because of distance learning. It's just, it's a mess. And so I'm like, you know, imagine me during dissection week, you know, like there'd be rotten frog guts everywhere. My class would be attracting cockroaches like you couldn't believe. So I said, you know, let me try this math thing. I was actually, you know, I was actually a really horrible math student when I was in high school. Didn't make it past pre-calc. Um, and even in pre-calc, I got a C and a D. Uh, but I said, let me try this math thing. I'm older now. Maybe it can work. Who knows? I scored high in the GRE math, which is easy stuff. That, that's just like asking you how much, you know, how much baking soda you need to like, you know, make cookies or something. Um, and so um, I passed. It, it took me um, I'm trying to two tries on the algebra C set, which is the C set's the battery test that you take to get your credential in whatever subject you want to teach. It took me two tries to get past the math, uh, the algebra portion, which was hard. That and, that and the second time was all luck. It took me three times to pass the geometry one, and I swear to God, the third time there was a lot of luck there too. Because um, I got that foundations credential, taught algebra and basic algebra. I taught a little bit of geometry, eh, not much. You know, I, I really was content to just be an algebra teacher. I just wanted to, you know, um, do that. And I was really, I felt like it took a while for me to get used to the kids who struggle with math. Um, you know, um, you know, learning how to get into my style. But once I realized that I was there, I kind of felt like that was the population I wanted to teach towards. They were very appreciative of being able to understand stuff. But um, as always, you know, life doesn't work the way you plan. And so I ended up getting laid off from my second teaching position at the Grossmont Union School District, which was, you know, a great place to work. But I ended up getting hired at Westview, which is where I work now. And that, at that school, there are an equal number of calculus sections as there are integrated one sections. And so when they hired me, they're like, okay, Mike, you know, we need you to pass. Well, we need you to take that uh, third C set in calculus. And I'm thinking, well, you know, I've never taken calc before. So this is going to be, I'm not going to, you know, make it. Uh, but I said, I'll, I'll try it. 
but for me, you know, and this is like my background, you know, and if we do more casts together, we, we, you know, they'll learn more about me. But, you know, I'm, I, you know, first and foremost, I'm not a math teacher. I'm a martial artist. And so, you know, for me in the martial art world, when we commit to something, we go, we go all the way through. And, and um, you know, and, and, you know, it doesn't matter how many times we got our butts kicked. We just got to, you know, keep on churning. And so I, um, so I studied for that CSET for calculus and I studied so hard. I was at school with another calculus teacher at Westview. We were there till sometimes midnight, one in the morning studying calculus. I took the test a week after my birthday and that was the only CSET that I passed on my first try. Was wow. And yeah, so, so after that, they were like, okay, you know, cool. You passed. Congratulations. Now, uh, you know, the next year, oh, it wasn't the next year, it was the year after so my third year at Westview. They were like, you're throwing an AP calc. And I'm like, are you kidding? Like, you know, I don't know this. Right? And so um, it took a lot of work, you know, like I, I would go to my uh, department chair uh, at the time and I, you know, I would just, I, we arranged that my prep period was when he was teaching calc AB. And so I would just go in and I would just watch him teach. I just sit there at his desk. I'd watch him teach. And then the next period I would just replicate as best I could. And there's something to be said that when you're learning something as you're teaching it, it's actually, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty interesting. So it's, um, it was an experience. I mean, you know, not only did I get a feel for how it worked, but I also, you know, you know, you learn so much. It's funny because you learn so much, not when you're just explaining stuff, but when, when kids ask you questions, man, it, it, it teaches you how they view what you're saying. And, uh, and I gained such an appreciation for them because those kids, they, and, and I mean this in the most complimentary way, they pushed me so hard. Like not, I mean, I was never like on the brink of tears, but there were times when, you know, like I wouldn't, when I wouldn't be able to answer a question and, and I just, I had to just kind of be like, okay, you know, gather myself back. And, and, and it's weird. Cause like, or, or you make a mistake on a problem and the room starts getting warm and I can feel like that droplet of sweat going down the center of my back that my shirt doesn't touch. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, I don't think I can do this one. But then you find a way to do it. And, and, and it's, it's really cool. I mean, when they talk about, and now I'm getting into psychology, but when they talk about, you know, um, what, 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 what's the pleasure part of your brain? Or the, it's not endorphins. Uh, dopamine. Are, are pleasure parts, right? No. Say again? And endorphins are the pleasure part of your brain, right? No, 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 no it's dopamine. Uh, oh. dopamine. Yeah, and, and so that rush of dopamine when you when you explain something and the kids get it, I'm like, oh wow, that's cool. So anyway, so long story long, um, I went from being a basic algebra teacher to now I teach uh, calculus BC, uh, which is which is second year calc, and so and I like and I teach that consistently as an AP class. So kind of an odd thing for me to do because I, I was never a math major when I was growing up. So nor was I ever interested in becoming it. I mean, if someone told me when I was in high school that I'd be teaching calculus. I'd be like, no, I wouldn't. <laughs> no, I'm not. There's no way. Well, and history was always such a kind of annoying subject for me in high school. It was always so much work and so much effort. And I, I, if you told me in high school, like, you're going to end up being a history teacher, I'm like, oh, uh, really? Like, <laughs> I want to design video games. Jeez, I don't want to do that. So, well, I wanted to run my own martial arts school. And that's what I mean. I, I knew I wanted to become a teacher. I sort of went run my own martial arts school. But honestly, like, you know, you know, um, after seeing what my head instructors went through and actually after watching the first five episodes of Cobra Kai, I'm like, man, there's so much of running a martial arts school that is not martial arts. So I'm actually kind of glad I didn't take that route. It's difficult, especially in the time of pandemic, right? You know, you can't, how do you have two people sparring when they have to be six feet apart? You know? Yeah, it's not, it's not possible. So yeah. I would say, okay, guys, just play Street Fighter against each other and then see who would win, you know? Yeah, and uh, uh, your high school is in North San Diego, probably for anybody. Yeah, knows. yeah, North San Diego. Yeah, yeah, and and for uh, I think a couple of years, you tried your best to help me get a job in San Diego, and I appreciate all the effort you did for me. But uh, oh, yeah, I, you're working at our here I am in Nevada. So yeah, no, I I still think you would have been a huge asset. I mean, remember because because I was coaching speech and debate at the time, also, right? And so you and I, we were we were about to we were about to hit that league hard when it, we were going to be you know co-coaches and and we were going to run out there and you know you know really massacre some people. But uh, but uh, I, I, we would have been a good team. It, we would have been the best team. Oh yeah. man, I would have I would have been thrilled to be working at the same school as you, Mike. If yeah, uh, fun. oh man. Uh, okay, so uh, let's go to my next. Uh, uh, question here what is your educational philosophy how do you view the role of a teacher 
Oh, man. So the role of a teacher. Um, you know, I mean, so if you go to the definition of what a teacher does, at the end of the day, our mission, right, is just to make sure, do you understand the material that I'm trying to teach you? So at the end of the day, can I get this kid to understand not just what a derivative is, but what a derivative is doing? You know, or like when they integrate, you know, on a particular area of integration, like or what are they finding in the context of that problem, in the context of, you know, general in, in the course of generalization. Um, I think that is what I feel like people believe teaching is. It's just, you know, that you, you are a disseminator of information. And there are people who see that as their role. They just, you know, hey, I put the information out, you take it, um, you know. I, on the other hand, and, and I had teachers like that, uh, you know, back in high school who um, there was no effort to like, you know, get to know students. You know, I, I felt like, you know, there were times I had teachers who, you know, uh, and they knew my name because I was annoying. But um, but, uh, <laughs> but I felt like there were teachers that like they didn't know certain people in the class and they didn't know anything about them. So I feel like being a teacher, the part that makes it enjoyable for me is and this is where and and obviously when you talk about what i believe the role of an educator is this is what i believe my role as an educator is um it's creating a place where the kids feel welcome and and using your um using your subject matter to allow kids to feel welcome and safe in an environment where they can learn about about the subject and about what it means to be a successful person um, I think that ultimately is what, I think that's what a, a, a legacy leading teacher does. And I'm, and I'm not saying that I'm one of those people, but, uh, but I, but I feel like that is what I aspire to be. Um, you know, someone who, when, you know, when a person looks back on their life and says, man, you know, if I had to think of like a couple of teachers who inspired me, you know, Mr. Wynn would be one of them, you know, um, you know, I, I, I and, and by the way, I have had those teachers too. Like part of, part of the reason why I am a teacher, right. It's because. You know, I've had teachers who you and I have shared also, you know, because we went to the same high school um, and, um, and and they they inspired me to to, you know, to to become better than I was. And so my my Dude, dropping right now, Greg Osborne, uh, Robert Berg, um, Richard Sutton, Rich, Rich, Richard Sutton is the reason why I'm a history teacher. And I told that to that man's face. So he's yeah. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Cook, what's Cook's first name? Yeah, great, great people. All at Helix Charter High School. Yeah, huge, huge yeah. fan. Yeah, and so, um, and and so, um, so yeah, so so honestly, like, you know, to to inspire someone that way, I think is really good. And and, and I think no matter where you teach, so 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 course, so you teach more in it, you know, you know, dare I say, lower income, uh, you know, well, area. Now I have changed schools. I used okay. to teach. At a lower income school in North Vegas, but now I'm in the, the fancy south part of town. Okay, so okay, so I teach at I teach at a at a higher income school also. Um, yeah. But you know, like those kids, they come with their own sets of difficulties. I mean, you know, definitely do. Yeah, I mean, the the, the the need to measure up, the need to, you know, the need to look a certain way. I mean, honestly, like I have I have known students who have developed, you know, certain you know certain dis uh, um, disorders. Uh, because um, because they want to look a certain way or they'll dress a certain way because they want to appear uh, however um, I would say like the, the stress for them to measure up to what either like their friends or their parents expect them to be that's very real and it causes a lot of mental you know uh, a lot of mental uh, mental health issues and yeah. and so for me you know and, and, and ultimately it's funny because I was thinking about about this podcast um, and I was hoping I get a chance to say this I think one of my personally, one of my greatest successes as a teacher is so you and I, we before the podcast, we were talking about video games and stuff like that. And honestly, like in my 30s, now I'm 37, it, it, I have embraced the fact that, you know what, I'm not a tough guy, even though I took martial arts. I'm not a tough guy. I'm never going to be as, as as swaggerly as like, you know, Captain America or or or, 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 or whoever. You know, I'm never going to be a professional athlete. I am a nerd. I am a geek, and that's and you know what? I am cool with it. I am comfortable with it. I like the things I like. I like anime. I like video games. I like Star Trek and science fiction stuff. And and for me, because I embrace that, and I 
and because I'm knowledgeable and I'm nice to the kids and I'm and I'm and I, and I say this with air quotes, a cool guy at school. I feel like the kids who are of that persuasion feel comfortable being nerds in my class, mm. and I honor it. And I'm like, hey, I, but at the same time, the athletes, I honor them too. So I'm like, hey, you be yourself, and as long as you're not offending anybody, then I'm cool with it. And, and just you know, be you, because there's no one else you can be. Um, yeah. So I, I really like the idea of educators empowering people to be the best version of themselves and, and, and to be good to other people. So anyway, that long, well, again, I have these long elongated answers, but that's my, I feel like that's what I, I like it. We're talking about the deep stuff here. And there have been multiple times where people have accused me of being an educator and a counselor to kids at the same time. Because just like you, I really aspire to allow kids to fully blossom and be themselves. And mm -hmm. it's, so much of my work is reminding kids, hey, I think you're cool. You know, yeah. if it's a nerdy kid, if it's the girl who's all about makeup, if it's the boy who's all about sports, I'll have short conversations with each of those kids each day where mm -hmm. I'm like, that's that's what your personality is, that's what you're into, and I like you because of that. Yeah, yeah. And having said that, that, that and that's not to say, and I don't want people listening to this podcast thinking that we don't draw boundaries. Now, if a kid is all geeked out about vaping, <laughs> then, I'm like, then I'm like, okay, dude, let's make sure that we're being appropriate to ourselves. <laughs> or, 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 yeah. If the yeah. kids do something wrong, I'm, I'm going to call them out and I'll follow various disciplinary procedures. But yeah. I think that a big part about being a teenager, and this is where it's, this is where maybe middle school, high school teachers have to think differently than elementary school teachers. Elementary school, it's, it's really about showing love, showing care, like building them up, keeping them confident to just like become a learner. But in middle school, high school, they're actually becoming, you know, leading up to being an adult, leading up to yeah. being their own unique person. And mm -hmm. so you really gotta like, well, yes, discipline kids for when they're making bad choices, but you yeah. have to, you should reward kids when they are becoming unique and becoming individuals. Absolutely, absolutely, and, and I think the best way uh, that we, and I don't mean we, you and I uh, exclusively, uh, but just we as teachers in general, the best way we can do that, honestly, is, you know, the modeling of the good behavior, you know, and so, um, so like for me, when I make a mistake, I own it, and I'm like, ah, oh, crud, I, you know, I blow up on this problem, or, or, um, you, you know, and, and, and I've seen and, and experienced this on my own, like when I have asked a question or seen someone ask a question and a teacher just shuts them down and says, and says, says, what a dumb question, you know? I mean, so to me, I'm thinking like, what are you, what are you teaching this person when you say something like that? And so, um, so like what I like being known for at my school is when kids are like, you know, the kids, sometimes they'll come to me and they'll say, they'll say, yeah, you know, Mr. Wynn, I really like the fact that you allow us to ask questions in class. And then one kid actually said to another uh, kid at one point and said, yeah, actually, you know, it's kind of weird because in Mr. Wynn's class, he gets mad if you don't ask anything. Hmm. And I'm just like, yeah, because I do. Like, I, get, I actually, I do. I start getting pissed when they don't ask because it makes me feel like they're not paying attention. So that, so I'm almost like, I'm almost like, yeah, ask me anything. Like, please do. So I always tell them, like, if, if you don't ask, you're not making me better also. So I always try to tell the kids, like, you know, by you guys being yourselves and, and, and asking me, you know, and, and being curious, you're helping me out also, you know, and, and I really want kids to um, question, not question everything that they've been told, because that would get annoying, but, but to, um, you know, I mean, it's like, you know, why, you know, why do we have to go to the bathroom to go to the bathroom? It's like, no, come on, man, just go to the bathroom. Um, but, um, um, but like when it comes to like certain things, I want them to say, well, why do we have to, you know, understand this level of math? Why do we, you know, why does this formula work the way it does? It's because, you know, and, and, and I'll show it to them and then, and I'll say, and this is the application for it. And so I feel like that, it, I think, again, that's just like, a, a, it transcends our subject matter where, where then they're like, okay, so why do we need to X, Y, or Z, you know, and, and it gets them to be a a better learner, you know, and a better adult that way, you know, to be honest. Yeah. Awesome. Great. Uh, okay. I think you already answered that one. Uh, what, what would you say is your greatest learning moment as a teacher or maybe your fail, a failure you've had in the classroom? Oh, Okay. Well, I'll tell you, it was, um, it, 
my greatest learn. Okay, okay. So, okay, so I've, I've had two. Um, so the first one we kind of already went through. When I was teaching Calc, and I had to go to my department chair's classroom, and I had yeah. to learn and, and all, all that. That was more academic growth. Uh, you know, like my my. I will tell you my knowledge and application of mathematics. Once I started teaching calculus, it grew exponentially, and and I don't mean that to throw in a math pun like that. Like it really did. Like the, my ability to understand all the things that happened before Calc. Once I once I became a really good and I, I say this not arrogantly, but when I um, when I became a really good calculus teacher, um, and I hope that doesn't come across as full of myself, but um, um, but all my ability to understand all the things that happened before that rose a lot. And I'm not saying I don't have more to learn. I always have stuff to learn. Uh, so that was one of them. But really, a large one that helped my practice as a teacher was it was my birthday. Uh, I, I turned 27 that day, and I was uh, and I was teaching. I was I was a long term sub at Helix High School, and I was pulled into a certain administrator's office, and I was threatened to be fired. <laughs> oh, ouch! And honestly, it's because I was just and I know you want to keep this family friendly, but I was just a major major jerk. Oh, and uh, to to the kids, and I and I, you know, I was trying to discover myself as an educator at the time, and so I would see teachers be complete jerks to these kids, but the kids would just like them, and I was like, oh. Maybe that's effective teaching. So I would use sarcasm as a means to control the class. And it's just not a good classroom management tool. Sarcasm. Now, so positive sarcasm is good. Um, but when you use sarcasm and humor to demean the class, which I admittedly did, I, it, it, you know, and and, um, and I will admit that in full force because I have learned my life. So yeah, because I guess you've changed over the years. So well, people wouldn't guess that about me, but honestly, I was such a jerk. Like, I, I, I would use humor to demean people in class and stuff like that. And and um, you know, when you do that, you know, the classroom's not a safe space, and the kids rebel against you. And I and it happened to me. I was gone on my birthday because I had taken some other kids on a field trip, and um, and uh, and then I came back and I found out that my class for the substitute for the substitute teacher was out of control mm. and and so i was pulled into the administration's office and uh and i won't name the name but but i and not because i'm i just respect or dislike this particular administrator but um I, and actually i have already told myself what i'd say to this person if i saw them i like target i'd actually thank them because oh. um because because when um because when this person basically ripped me a new one uh what and and i don't know if they were doing this intentionally but they forced me to reflect on my practice and it forced me to think okay i am wrong right now and i could be fired so how do i make this right how do i fix this so my roommate at the time jesse who is a teacher at morris high school um he and i graduated from helix together uh it's funny because shortly um shortly before that he was threatened also by his administrator because we because we used to we used to play off each other right naturally right we're roommates so we play off each other how who, who can come up with the better story that day who on who was meaner to their kid um so we said okay obviously what we're doing isn't working so let's so let's so we would sit at the dinner table every and we came up with like a three-step plan of how to discipline we said we're not going to be sarcastic anymore it's going to be you know discipline is just going to be a bald face like boom you know here's the regulation you broke the protocol boom here you are and uh, and every day we'd come back and we'd meet at the table at night and we'd eat dinner together and we and we would tell each other okay what bad thing happened in your classroom today and how did you deal with it and we'd always have a story because at that point our class at least my class respected me so little and deservedly you know so that there would be an incident and I, and I would say okay so here's what happened you know the kid was out of line here's how I dealt with it and we would we would talk to each other and we'd say okay so how how would you handle that and so we would always bet, go back and forth. And my my ability to go get classroom management back was actually quite good, and that's the beginning of who I am now, um, where where I don't you know berate kids you know uh, you know at all, especially not publicly. You know, I always you know try to start off with like, okay, so what's going on here? Why are we behaving this way? Because this isn't like you. You know, you're a, you're a good kid. You're out of line right now. Is there something going on that I need to know about, or do you need to step outside for a second and cool off? Because right now you're right now you're disrupting the class, and I can't let that happen. And so, um, you know, when you're very factual about uh, about bad behavior, I think they're more responsive than if you're berating. Of course, right? No, who likes being berated? Definitely, um, definitely agree. 
Yeah. And so one of the things, actually one of the things that I love doing, and, and this might be giving away like a card of tricks. So if kids hear this, they, they, uh, they might know what, that I'm up to something is I'll just sit down with a kid and, um, and I'll have them stand and I'll just sit down and I'll just say, okay, dude, I need to yell at you. And, and they're like, and, and they're, and, and they just, they, I see the shock in their eyes and I just talk to them in a very calm voice. And I say, okay, so you've just been yelled at. Can you please not do that? <laughs> just like they're really confused and it's actually kind of fun because they're like wow like that's mr wayne when he's yelling at me he's actually quite calm and, and so the kids what what they start to understand is i only yell when i'm happy or excited but when i'm mad when i'm pissed i just talk really calm like almost like it's almost like if you ever get to see tom cruise when he gets shot in the face with the water gun and he says he says hey why did you do that why did you shoot me with that gun you're disrespectful right now you're out of line you're a jerk. And so I try to do that when I'm mad at someone. I try to become, you know, that. So, uh, but yeah, I, yeah, my, so my, yeah my, my greatest growth as an educator came from my greatest failure. And it, and I'm forever thankful to that administrator, whether whether they were aware of it or not, they changed me. And, and I always said, if I ever encountered that person, I would say, thank you for doing it. In fact, I applied back at Helix uh, once just so I could have the opportunity to be interviewed so that I could tell that administrator but I never got an interview, so, so it's okay. So if so, if you're listening, administrator who yelled at me, I appreciate you, and and you did more for me than I think you might have intended. I think you were just pissed at me, and which I deserved, but you changed me for the better, so I appreciate it. Yeah, well, and and I I think I've only ever yelled at kids in my last six years of being a teacher, like I don't know five times total, and usually it was to break up a physical altercation or oh yeah. You know, stop some sort of serious event happening so i'm a once a year yeller um but yeah. it's because it, it, i do know some teachers they yell every day and at that yeah. point that just strain that strains your throat and your kids just see you at this sort of you know if if mr win was yelling at us all day well then that's his normal and then if you ever got mad the kids wouldn't know how to tell when you were quote, being seriously mad. I, I always equate yelling all the time to like someone like, so we've judged speech tournaments, right? Yeah. When a person's yelling all the time, we don't know what they're emphasizing. No. You know, or, or like a person who highlights their whole book. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Like good. a person who the whole book, I'm like, dude, so what's important here? <laughs> you know? yeah. the whole book. We, we, it's, all, it's all the same value. Yeah. Uh, okay, so let's keep going on. Uh, uh, do you have any unique classroom strategies? I like. I, I know we've talked about how you use martial arts in the classroom, but probably not the way that the listeners will think. Well, actually, what's funny is that when I teach, so so it depends. So in the class, I will say like, so my favorite subject to teach, and it's not, and, and it's going to make me sound like an elitist, but uh, my favorite subject to teach is calculus AB, uh, which is calculus level one. It is the most physical math class you could ever have beyond anything else. And so the analogies that you can use relate at time, not everything, but like the times that you relate um, uh, certain analogies, you can use martial arts to, to relate a lot of calculus AB. And so, uh, yeah, so, so honestly, I think like what kids get out of my class, like the, one of the more, what, what makes me unique as a, as a math teacher is, um, is my reference to movies and martial arts. In, in the class, and it comes up in these obscure times. So, for example, one of my favorite things to do uh, when I'm when I'm teaching, especially when we were back on campus, is you know, as I do a problem, I would say, "Okay, guys, I need you guys to just look at the problem right now because here's where you're going to make your mistake." And I warn them, and I say, "Okay, at this point right here, you're going to make a mistake." And I talk about Minority Report, the movie. Have you, have you ever seen this movie? Yeah, I've seen Minority Report. Tom Cruise in the pre-crime, right? So I talk about. I say, "So right now, there's a red ball falling down the tube." And that's the murder victim. The murder victim is this problem. The brown ball, the perpetrator, the, the perpetrator is you. And this is what you're gonna do. And I and I tell them that this is the mistake they're gonna make. And I say, okay, but before you make this mistake, like the precogs have seen it happen and they're never wrong. And I tell them the whole like, you know, but like like Agatha had told, you know, John Anderson, if you know your future, you can change it. So I always tell them like, you know, so I, I do that. When we learn about chain rule and calculus, which is the derivatives of of composite functions where you have to do the derivative of the outer function times the derivative with the inside unchanged then times the derivative of the inner function and then you can go multiple layers in i always talk about inception the movie when i and 
and like say there's a four-layered function out there that we have to derive. So that's four separate derivatives. And I say, okay, this layer is the car falling off of the bridge. The next layer is the hotel with the elevator. Then it's the snowmobile fight. Then it's the beach. And I always I have and and so I use that. I talk about martial arts when we do intermediate value theorem. I talk about I talk about a kid standing behind another kid, and without getting into much detail, I talk about if I want to punch the kid behind him, I have to punch through the kid who's right in front of me. So that's intermediate value theorem right there. Because I can't. I have to make, yeah, so there, there's a lot that goes into it, but. Um, one of the things I've been made aware of uh, that actually a student brought to my attention was I run the class almost like a kid's TV show. And um, and and one of the things that I tend to do, and I didn't even notice this until someone pointed it out to me, was so, so, so Corey, so we watched, you watch children's television shows, right? I mean, obviously, you know, yeah, yeah, for sure. Right? Yeah. yeah. And so, like, each kid's TV show always had, like, that gimmick that a, that a character would do every single episode. And, and, and like they always had the catchphrase, right? So for example, like in, I, I mean, you're a lot younger than me, but you're about like, four years younger than me. So like in the original Ninja Turtles cartoon, like there was always Cowabunga, Pizza Time. You know, there was um, like in the Legend of Zelda cartoon, there was Excuse Me Princess and stuff like that. And, and in every episode, we knew they were going to say it. You know, in Darkwing Duck, there was Let's Get Dangerous and blah, blah, blah. So my class is known for catchphrases. Oh. Where, where, where I say, and, and whenever I describe a problem, I tend to describe it the exact same way every time. And then eventually the kids are like, you know, when I, when, you know, when, and I always talk myself through, so I always say, okay, so implicit differentiation, we derive a dy dx, and I say, okay, now we always move all the dy dxs to one side, move all the non dy dx to the other side, factor out a dy dx, and then divide by the big thing. And I say it the same way every time. So when the kids are taking the tests and they run into an implicit differentiation problem, they're like, I can hear you talking to me during this problem, and I know exactly what you're going to say. So, so because I just I just repeat these phrases over. In fact, people have made I, they're not ledgers, but they're like they're like these lists that they give to me of all the things that I would say all the time, and they're, they're like they're like they'd be. Um, but it really helps kids' memory with the systems that they're supposed to follow every time, because especially yeah. in calculus, you're going with like some twenty steps of math. Yeah. So. Yeah, and, and and so yeah, like and and uh, and, and so they're they're like yeah, I, I totally remember like you know a lot of like I remember the sequence of how you say things and and, and to the point where I've I've looked over my shoulder and I'm and I'm writing something and I'm talking I see a kid lip syncing with me I I have, <laughs> I have seen that happen. and and I tell them like are you lip syncing me I'm like I'm like okay good so tell me what I'm gonna say next and when they do I'm like guys you see what just happened there that's that's awesome. Yeah. And I and, and they and so I tell them like by the time we're done you'll be able to predict everything that I say because I'm not I'm not very creative you know I tend to say the same things all the time you know it's like it's like you're watching a rerun of a TV show when you watch me and so um and so uh, so the kid yeah like I said it, it I think well, that's exactly what you want the kids to get out of math yeah. because it is these preset steps that the kids have to do again and again and again and if mm -hmm. you're giving them this mnemonic device of Mr. Wynn saying these same phrases in kind of a funny way uh, mm -hmm. that will hopefully stick in their brains. Yeah, yeah. And like I said, like we always do a calculus poster project at the end, and always one of the posters has everything that you will hear in your calculus class by the time you're done. And it's always like okay, divide by the big thing. You know, uh, we don't want the slope anywhere, blah, blah, blah. It's just always, and it's, yeah, and that's it. <laughs> you know, so your most you know. common sayings over and over again. Yeah. Uh, cool. Thanks. Uh, what? New or what advice would you give to a new educator entering this profession? Do not use sarcasm and demeaning humor to control your class. That that will cause you to be fired. So okay. that would be, um, so, so so there's that. So that would be that would be that. Honestly, though, uh, to be serious, it is have classroom management mm. because yeah. if the and, and everyone has what they are comfortable with. And you need to find out what you're comfortable with, and you need that. And I would say, your not you necessarily, but your classroom needs to have a personality. You know, you can't just deliver stuff to the kid. You know what I mean? And so, if your classroom has a persona, the kids will look forward to going to it. Um, yeah. Yeah, a, a, a frequent compliment that I've gotten over the years being a teacher is kids think my class is funny. Not because I'm teaching a bunch of jokes, but it's I think yeah. it's my 
style of presentation and I'm kind of a, 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 a I don't know, a charismatic dude and kids just laugh. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I think that, you know, throwing in some jokes, throwing in some laughter is the way to keep them engaged. Yeah, and, and I think that it's not always about being funny, but I think making sure your class is fun by being charismatic, but, you know, and, and, and not even, and, and by the way, when I say being, that doesn't mean doing cartwheels and like, um, like, did you graduate with Nate Howard? Uh, he was a little bit younger than me. Okay. Okay. Uh, or, oh no, 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 sorry. No, Nate graduated right before Julie. So, so, or like Darius Ship, right? Like, oh yeah, I, he was I, in my class. Yeah. yeah. I could never match the charisma of like a Nate or a Darius. I, I, it's not me. I just, I can't do it. You know, like like uh, like like Logan uh, Logan Orbis he used to call it spark. Like I I don't have it, but that's okay. <laughs> I don't I don't need to be them. I can be me, and 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 that's and that's good enough. And so so um um so I think yeah, as a new teacher, you gotta find who you are, and teach who you are, and be you in in the classroom. At the same time, you do need to have boundaries. You need to make sure that you are comfortable you know, with certain types of behavior and making sure that you are not comfortable with certain types of behavior because they will push you. You know, it, it, they, the kids will find, the kids will try to find out what they can get away with in the beginning. You got to set the bar high, you know, and, and not in a mean way. Um, but yeah, at the end of the day, like have a persona in the class that the kids, that, that the kids can not necessarily identify with because they're, because God knows there are kids who really, they look at me and they're like, dude, you know, I like Mr. Wynn, he's nice. But there's no way I can ever really relate to the video games and stuff like that. I'm just I'm whatever else. But I I promise you they will what they'll say is. But in Mr. Windrum, I feel safe. Yeah. Well, and to go off of that though, like I do try my best to relate to every kid. Um, Absolutely. Me too. I, 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 me too. By the way, yeah. a, a lot of my female students are into these like YouTube makeup tutorials. I I will go out of my way and watch thirty seconds of a YouTube makeup tutorial. Mm -hmm so I can have a short conversation with these students to show them that I think their interests are a good thing. And that okay. gives me so much rapport with the kids. It, okay, so piggybacking off that, that's awesome. So so what I do when I, when I check on kids when they're taking tests, when they turn it in, usually a, a question that math teachers will ask, will, or any teacher uh, will say, how'd it go? Did it go good or did it go bad, right? But if you can personalize that in a way, it shows you're paying attention. So your makeup student, right? Yeah. If a person, if your makeup student comes up to me and turns in their test, I would just, I would stop them before they turn in their test. And I would say, did, did your makeup get put on, did, did the makeup on this test get put, up, put on correctly or did it get smeared? And, oh. and, that, and that's kind of, it's a safe way for them. Because if they say smeared, then I'm like, okay, that's, a, we'll do a requiz. It's okay. So I had a, uh, so just a couple of examples. So like, like the, when I have band kids in my class, I'll ask them, I'll say, were you section leader of this quiz or was this quiz section leader of you? And, and, and that's how they know I'm asking how they went, how the quiz went. So there was a vegan in my class one time when I asked her, she turned it in. I, I stopped. I said, did you eat vegetables or did you eat meat? And she was like, I ate meat. And I'm like, oh, dang it. No, no. Yeah. And then it got so bad one time she wrote steak all over each question. I'm like, dang, that's too bad. <laughs> but, but it lets kids feel safe telling me also that they failed at something. And that's okay. You know, and, and but you're right that those little bits of rapport where you're like, hey, you know, I am paying attention to the things that you like, you know, um, is um, it, it, it's it's not much, but it's actually quite powerful. Yeah. Yeah. It really helps out. Uh, all right. And then my, my last question here. Uh, are there any educational concepts that you champion or disagree with? I'm talking about direct instruction, group work, station activities, flipped classroom. What, what do you think about kind of these big concepts for how to teach and how to organize your classroom? Okay, okay. Uh, admittedly, I am a direct instruction a direct instruction junkie. Um, I um, and, and and a lot of it comes from you know our theater background a little bit, right? Like so, I was originally a theater major when I graduated when I graduated from high school. I wanted to be a theater person, a movie star, you know, but then when I realized I was about as good an actor as Steven Seagal, I was, you know, um, <laughs> that just wasn't going to happen. So it's all good. Um, but, um, but uh, I would, but having said that, I do like the stage. I, I still like it. And I think teaching is a great place for me to kind of be theatrical and fun. Yes. Um, so, so I do love 
uh, to a to a more or less captive audience. I mean, they, they ain't going anywhere. So, um, so I like uh, I do like the direct instruction because it allows me to control the narrative um, of how this gets put out. So, you know, so to to my one of my failures is group work. So if I had kids in calculus, and we and by the way, we don't teach calculus with group work, but if I did have group work for calculus, there is no way I could pull off the inception joke. And that is a joke that shows up all the time in my class to the point where like, I even wrote my own inception problem after the AP exam was over. And it's an assignment that I give to them. And they do it after watching inception because we watch a couple of movies after the AP exam and inception is one of them. So the, kid, the kids are like, oh my God, that, I understand the car falling off the bridge now. Oh my God, there's the snowmobile, you know? And so, um, and so, um, so if left to the group work, that humor doesn't come out. If left to the group work, I can't relate the Kung Fu to intermediate value theorem. So I guess my championness comes from the direct instruction because I can control how the information gets disseminated. Um, well, and also imagine that in calculus, it can get so complex in so many steps. And if you just give kids textbooks and say, okay, teach each other, I don't know, matrices, like how it's going to like kids will learn it wrong. Like you really have to be the demonstrator for some yeah, of the there's a level of damage control that you have to do where it's like, okay, I feel like some people just really aren't understanding Lobital's rule very well. And, and, and so, um, so and I, don't, I don't, personally, I don't like doing damage control because once they have an, I like an inception, right? One of the, one of the most viral things is an idea. Like what, 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 did, what did Leonardo think? And it's funny, I've seen, I watch the movie every year, but it's like, what's the most, uh, what's the most um, difficult virus to deal with or something like that? He's like, he's like, it's an idea. But once kids have an idea of how it's supposed to be done, if you go in and try and debunk it, it's deadly. You know, um, it can be very damaging you know, to them versus if you just let them know this is how it's done. You have, like I said, it, it, it's just the control thing. And, and I'm not saying that direct instruction is better than group work. I, I, I'm pretty sure there's probably a teacher out there who can just, you know, crush me with their group work, you know, with, with you know, versus my direct instruction. But, you know, um, at the risk of sounding egotistical, it allows me to express me in, in the class also. You know, um, I don't know if I agree with the whole, I'm a learning facilitator in, instead of instead of I'm a teacher. Because a learning facilitator, it's like, dude, the kids don't get to know the teacher then. And not that I have, you know, like this wonderful, you know, narrative or anything that I want to share with them, but I do want to share with them. Like I'm a, I'm a person in the classroom and I want them all to feel valued and I kind of want myself to feel valued also, you know. Um, so, yes, yeah, so I would say the, the direct instruction is where I excel the most. And, uh, you know, I think of all the people I've interviewed on my podcast, I think almost everybody's an advocate of direct instruction. But the strangest thing is if you go to any educator college in the country, they'll tell you that direct instruction is like a bad thing. Um, I think because it can be boring. I mean, it, it can be, if it's not done well, but if, but you know what, here's the funny thing is that if group work isn't done well, it's anarchy, you know, yeah. and so, you know, I mean, so, so, okay. So here's the thing is that, is that the whole group work, right. And then this is where we start getting a little bit more on the political side, but I do know that the group work was facilitated because uh, I believe it was president Obama who went to South Korea and said, wow, they're all doing their group work and stuff like that. That seems pretty cool. And, um, and, and by the way, I think there is totally a place for group work. Um, uh, but I also know that the students in South Korea and Japan, they also get a lot of direct instruction from their night school. Yeah, well, and you and I have both taught in South Korea or Japan. Exactly. It was mostly a direct, and well, I think it was 60% direct instruction, 40% group work. Yeah, and, and, and so I wasn't sure where this idea of just full-on group work was coming from what, when, when the president had said that, and I was like, I was like, yeah, I don't know. I was like, am I, am, was I teaching at the wrong school? You know, you know I don't know. Same you thing know. forever too, because it's like, really? And uh, I, I think I have seen some teachers do group work well, but I, I find that to be really challenging, especially if you're in a lower level class or in a really difficult to master subject like calculus. I, and, and, and there will invariably be that group where one kid's doing everything. I've seen it happen in every class where one kid's taking the test for all four of them. Yeah. You know, that, that's rude. You know? it, 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 it's disrespectful. So, you know, like I said, group work has its place, like labs, group labs, I think are good. And, and, and especially like, and so I teach our integrated two class now. Um, 
um, I think there are certain things that are group oriented, like some certain probability problems. It's like, okay, great. If you can get in a group and roll the dice and flip a coin, great. You know, discover that because those are, dare I say, low impact and all the stats and probability people are probably going to kill me for saying this. Um, but in the integrated two scheme, in the linear scheme of math, the probability and stats portion is less impactful than quadratics. And so, and so when it comes to quadratics, I control the narrative. I'm sorry, I just, I need to, because that's the stuff that longitudinally will get them into integrated three, you know, which will then become- Totally different language right now, Mike. I was, I was yeah. following so many okay. bad things. Yeah, basically oh. we're, talk we're, we're, talk we're talking about, we're talking about stuff that doesn't go, that, 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 okay, so to put it in a martial art perspective, this stuff in your yellow belt, you will not need in your green belt. So you can group oh, discovery. I'm following it now. That's perfect. But this stuff in your yellow belt, you know, like, 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 will will go to your green belt. So we need to teach that directly. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know. Okay. Cool. So, right. so yeah, so I would say, yeah, I, I would say I, I am more of a direct instruction person, but, but the pendulum right now is towards group work. But you know what? I have a sneaking suspicion that in our career time, probably right towards our retirement, they'll swing the pendulum back and say, Man, we've been doing this group work for a long time, but you know what? There is this one model where the teacher actually, where the learning facilitator actually assumes more of a direct role and actually teaches the students. And it's like, oh, okay, yeah. And all these people who've gone through student teaching and 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 done like the last twenty years of group instruction, they'll they'll be freaking out also. So it's just it hasn't been our time yet. <laughs> I have seen group work being done well too. It it can happen. Yeah. I I think I think a teacher should use everything. I think that. The perfect teacher will have a percentage of all the styles. You know, I'm watching Cobra Kai right now, and one of the things that when Daniel LaRusso is in his car, he's he's thinking about Mr. Miyagi, and Mr. Miyagi says, you know, karate is about balance. Yep. And he's like, not just balance in karate, but balance in everything. See, this this is what I miss about all of our Korean meets when we were just <laughs> kung fu and stuff to, to yeah. teach. So there we go. Uh, okay, so those are my kind of standard questions, but now let's uh, just sort of have the, the free-form conversation, especially talking about the current state of education. Yeah. I have just finished one week of online teaching. Congratulations. You to start online teaching in five days. So so how, how prepped are you? What are you, uh, what do you feel about the future right now? Oh, man. So I'll be honest, like, uh, you know, I, you know, I, I won't weigh in politically about the pandemic, but um, but I will say as soon as it is absolutely guaranteed to be safe in, to, to go back, I would love to go back. I, I would love to go back, you know, because I really believe nothing beats that face-to-face -face interaction. I mean, I, I think we're starting to realize like, you know, um, that uh, that really human connection, the human connection is so strong. I mean, it's so valuable. And, and, and you and I have that connection, but because we have a, a long history also, so, so it's easy for us to reconnect. But I think like we were strangers, it would be a little more difficult. It would be a little weird. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so. Uh, references to, to movies. Yeah, I know, right? And so, um, but, um, but so I, I really wish that this pandemic can be over in a very safe way, you know, soon. Uh, that way we can get back to some semblance of normal teaching. Um, but what does this year look like? I mean, this year looks like a lot of online learning. And um, and a lot of time in front of a computer. Um, I'm, right now, how prepped am I? I? I'm prepared in the sense that I can I can teach I can teach and I say this in air quotes my material. Um, and and so what I've got prepared is um, I've got and it's hard to see you know I, I, because this is not a visual podcast but I can but I have a tablet that I use to write on and I almost like a Khan Academy type thing and. Um, and what I was doing before is I was recording preloaded lessons on YouTube and saying, okay, if you missed the lesson, here you go. You can watch the, the, the Reader's Digested version of the 80-minute lesson that I did in class. Um, but I'm also going to be recording the Zoom session, um, and I'm going to be blocking out, you know, students' faces and names for reasons of FERPA. And, um, and, uh, and I'll be posting those on our Canvas page so that only district people can access it. Um, really, for me, you know, I, I have come to terms with the fact that the experience of education for the kids this year will be absolutely watered down. It's just not going to be great. And but but it's going to be the best that we can give to them. And right now, my primary focus is on access and communication. Mm -hmm. You know, as long as the students can access the information somehow, 
you know, uh, like I said, I'll make the YouTube video of the preloaded lesson. Uh, then I'll actually have a recording of the actual lesson. Um, I'll have like additional problems online if they need it. Um, I'm gonna. I'm in, the, I'm in the middle of designing my my Canvas course website where I'm going to have like I'm gonna try and create like a discussion forum like every, every under every day. That way I can say upload your questions here. That way the kids can say okay, you know, 17, 13, 19, blah, and then I can just and then I'll have those. That way I don't have to waste time the next morning. Say, okay, who has a question? I can just say, okay, it looks like everyone last night did their homework has questions on these seven problems. Let's start off the class with those, and then um, and then go from there. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, like I said, for me, it's about access. Like I really want kids to have access to the information, and 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 access not just so that I can say, well, I gave you the information. There's no reason why you should be getting an F. Um, but it's so that the student knows that even in this time. I care about their learning. You know, I, I care about their, and and uh, and I feel like with some of the kids, just hearing the teachers, and it's hard to say now because well, I'm teaching us a complete set of strangers now. I had a connection with the kids when we transitioned online, but sometimes just hearing their teacher's voice was enough for them to be like, okay, there, there's still an outside world. I'm not just cooped up in my house. Yeah, you know. Well, and I'll I'll add in on some of your uh, conjecture right there that. Uh, I think it's also my biggest thing was access as well. Mm. And I made the decision and I, I am think this was absolutely the right decision. I filmed all my history lessons, mm. like my traditional direct instruction lectures. They're all online. They're all on YouTube. And so when we have those Zoom meetings online, I just uh, teach some writing skills. We have little discussions. We do some little activities. And my what I told the kids on the first day of school, nothing on the test will be covered during these live sessions. Mm -hmm. The stuff on the test, the stuff you have to know, watch it on my videos on your own time. Because mm -hmm. and and all throughout this last week, kids were like their internet shoddy, so they were dropping out of the Google Meets and the Zoom calls. Yeah. And that's just something you got to be aware of. That mm -hmm. uh, if if you're teaching this really difficult math concept. You got to expect that a kid is going to log out for five minutes. And when they come back in, they might be screwed. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would, I'd just recommend to you, Mike, that you film yourself teaching the concept, maybe with one example, but then mm -hmm. in the live session, that's when you're like, okay, kids, you all should have watched that video last night. So I'm yeah. going to go for examples and answer questions. Absolutely. And that, that you, you, you actually just, you actually just spoke my plan to the T right there. I mean, that's, that. That's exactly what it is. Well, I mean, like we, we've yeah. been friends for years and we talk all these teachers <laughs> yeah. on the same wavelength. So. Yeah, no, we're on the same page, man. I mean, like I said, it's, you know, and the kids, I want them to feel valued, you know? And so, um, so yeah, and I, I could not, how about this? I'm glad that I'm not in school right now. Right, right. Yeah, I'm glad that I'm not a student right now, you know? Um, and think about all the social neglect these kids are probably getting. Like, yeah. kids like haven't physically seen their friends in six months, and well, for uh, yeah. social yeah. everything. So, yeah. I, I I hope that uh, I, you know I I, just, I, I hope that uh, that this can uh, that this can be resolved in a safe way soon. Um, it's um, look, it's I, the right call. The right it, call. I, it's the right call. Yeah, I mean, they can. They, you know, we've seen we've seen cases go up in all the places where they've opened the schools. I mean, they, you know, of course, I know they're making the right call. And and while while I understand it's going to be a pain in the neck, you know, you know, it's also a pain in the neck, grinding, trying to find that one legendary item, <laughs> you know. But you know, <laughs> we put our VAT system on, we 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 put on our armor, our, our power armor, and we go out there and we shoot rad roaches. That's what we do, you know. Yeah, well, and and you mentioned this too when when you explained your thoughts that you had a good rapport with your kids last year, and now you won't have a rapport, so that kind of sucks. Mm -hmm. uh, I I actually have an advantage over you in that last year I taught freshman geography, and mm -hmm. now I'm teaching tenth grade world history, and oh. almost all of my former kids have grown, have moved up to to this uh -huh. now. And what's also really cool is my two sections. Uh, of freshmen, each of those sections 
uh, have a younger brother or sister of a student I taught last year. And on the first day of school, I called out those younger brother and sisters and I said, hey, is your older sister nearby? Can she come in the Zoom call really quick and just mm -hmm. tell the, the students about the class, tell them about Mr. Brown, reassure mm -hmm. them that, you know, high school is is gonna be okay. And that, yeah, you know, and, and that's a close thing. And I, do, I do have a couple of siblings in, in my class of kids who have graduated or whatnot. You know, yeah. So I got a question for you. Oh, oh go ahead. How is your school handling back to school night? Or are you guys are you guys having one or are you guys uh we have no updates as of right now, but uh a friend of mine who also teaches in the district shared with me his school's plan. And originally the school was gonna have these sort of open Google Meets and share the Google Meet codes in mass and the teachers or parents could pop in and talk to the teachers. Uh but then someone brought up the fact. Well, if you share these Google Meets in mass, uh, some intruders will pop in and share, say some inappropriate things. So his school has now tasked him with recording a short video introduction to the class and himself. And they'll Got just it. send out a bunch of YouTube videos to parents. And okay, I think that yeah. makes sense. We were thinking of doing a, a pre-recorded uh, back to school night. We're still on the fence. Um, I don't know. I mean, I prefer to do it live, but I also understand if people are like, oh, I don't want to do a Zoom. But we also clamp down on our Zoom. Like, we can only, like, so for example, we're on Google Meets right now, but I can't yeah. do Zoom with you because you're not a Poway employee. Or, oh. Yeah, I, I can only Zoom now with Poway persons. Well, and I mean, we use Google Meets, but we also have some restrictions over, uh, yeah, the, the CCSD email addresses. Yeah. Uh, those can join freely, but then we have to manually admit people outside of that that scope. And I'll tell you, this last uh, uh, week, it didn't affect any of my classes, but it was widely spread around that some teachers did accept bad actors into their online Google Meets that shared some very inappropriate things with students. So uh, and the, and, and we that's just, uh, Yeah, and that's just disheartening. You know what I mean? It's like. <sighs> You know, I understand. Like there, there, there is a time for fun, but then there's this, and it's like I, I don't, I don't know if I agree with people like using this time. And there will always be people like this in the world who use a time like this where 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 people are vulnerable and they and they exploit on that. I'm just like, come on, this is a school. You know, what are you doing? Yeah, super rude. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Very well. Very and I'll I'll tell you something else that uh, you should probably be aware of um, that. What I did was in my Google Meet classes I had with my students this week, uh, I expected students would ask questions. You know, yes, it was me giving some direct instruction, talking about my Canvas assignments, talking about my course. And if you are typically in a classroom, there will always be some kids that have questions. Yeah, but I, yep. in this Google Meet setting, there's some social awkwardness with students. They've got to like, I don't know, turn on their mic and their technology isn't reliable. and I think it was rare for a kid to actually like go mic on and ask a question. Um, and yeah, they, they type it in the chat. Yeah, they, they type stuff in the chat occasionally, but usually it's kids like typing in random stuff. Um, but there was significantly less interaction, I think largely because a Google Meet, only one person can talk at a time. Okay. And in a classroom, like you can have more direct one-on-one -on -one interaction where the whole room isn't looking at you. Yeah, you know? yeah. And th there have been plenty of times where I wander around my classroom and I kind of like lean over and have more or less a private conversation with a kid if a kid has a question they're a little more embarrassed about. But yeah, yeah, yeah. That there's this social aspect of these chat rooms and these spaces where there's 30 faces that they're seeing watching them on Zoom where a kid uh, doesn't feel comfortable sharing something yeah yeah it does put people in a bit of a spotlight you know yeah I mean? it's like when we have like the speakers in the top right corner and then and only their face is showing when they're talking it does definitely put some pressure on I, I like i said i'm very glad that i'm not a student right now i mean what i what i've done and and again I, I had a relationship with these kids heading into the quarantine was i would just say okay so here i just did a problem and i said okay up until this point type in the letter g if you are good type in a question mark into the chat if you don't understand something that I've just done. Mm. And I put question marks, and when I see it, 
I'll say, okay, so it looks like this person had a question. I go to their name and I say, okay, I'm going to unmute you, okay? Would you mind asking a question out loud? And then, and, and they do it. And it's like, okay, great. And, and I always, I always say, great question. I'm glad you asked. And then boom. Yes. And then yeah. I always, always say that. That's just great teaching yeah. advice. Every yeah. time the kid makes a, heck, even when I pose a question to the class, if the kid is 90% wrong, I will mm -hmm. remind that kid of the 10% why they're right. And then mm -hmm. I will mold their answer into the right answer. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's huge for student confidence. Because mm -hmm. many, like there have been multiple times in my career as an educator where a kid came into my class crying because the teacher called them out in front of the whole group. And I mean, usually the teacher didn't say they were dumb, but the implication was that the student was dumb. And, it, oh, and maybe, like, <laughs> this is weird to say this, but maybe if you are one-on-one -on -one with a kid and you say, hey, kid, you're dumb. I mean, first of all, never say that. But you know what I'm saying? Like when there isn't the social aspect, when they're not put yeah. on the spotlight, um, that's that's what can crush a teenager's hopes and dreams. Well, I will tell you, Corey, in eighth grade, I had a teacher call me a retard in front of in front of the class. That is and so, so that and, and I will tell you now, I was that was in eighth grade. I was I was 14. And I'm 37. And I still remember the angle that I was looking at that teacher when she said it to me. So yeah, that that is why I would never. And and I talked about my I talked about my my past as a as a as a berating teacher, but I never took it to that level. Yeah, and you said you were sort of doing sarcastic jokes sometimes, and and I I think I do a little bit of that, but I'm never malicious. And yeah. also, I I only start joking with kids once I have developed the rapport with them. Once Absolutely. I get the sense that that we're vibing, we're cool, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and 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 I think another thing too is I frequently make fun of myself. Like even if you watch my history videos, it's like, wow, Mr. Brown really likes food, doesn't he? Wow, yeah. Brown has so much uh, like trouble. I, I don't know, running a mile. Like I don't know, I, I make fun yeah. of, him. and the kids really think that's something else too. When I point yeah. out, absolutely, as a teacher, you have to be able to laugh at yourself. Yes. You have to, you know, you know, otherwise you're just not a human being to them, you know? So I, I feel like, yeah, you definitely need that. That's part of the establishing rapport is, is being able to laugh at yourself and, and understand you're a person, you know? Yeah. Um, okay. Let me, let me think, what else can I uh, explain to you about that? I, I expected only 50% of kids would show up this last week. We had 90% attendance or more. So that's good. That's awesome. Will come. Um, and but yeah, there is going to be a whole lot of weird technical difficulty issues. Mm -hmm. uh, I had a couple kids who could join the audio, but they couldn't see my video. I couldn't see their video, and they said they were working on it. Um, but but yeah, by by you having the idea already that I've that clearly you already knew of that the live meetings are for reinforcement, for activities, for questions. And in a weird way, it's sort of like the live meetings are the bonus content and mm -hmm. the primary content is videos on your own time. Mm -hmm. uh, that hopefully negates so many of these tech issues and login issues that students are bound to have. It definitely gives them supplementary avenues for, for, for the information. You know, I, I really want them to just be able to say, okay, yeah, I had access at any point. Yeah. Yeah, well, man, it's, it sounds like you're pretty confident and good to go. I, I, heck, if I was in this position last week, I would have, I'd have been like, oh no, I don't know what to expect. I don't know, Corey. I talk big sometimes, but things just blow up in my face every once in a while. So you know, we'll see how this goes. Yeah. Okay. Well. Uh, yeah. Hopefully you're 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 feeling good, and and I'm I'm sure you'll kick butt at this, man. Like it's. I hope so, man. I I, I hope I can be I hope I can be uh, as successful as you are your first week. Yeah. Well, well, hey, if you've already got videos in the pipe, then you're you're ahead of where so many other people I'm sure are cuz I bet there's some teachers that are just I don't even know what I'm doing on Monday and yeah, it, it, as long as you adapt to this online world, I think you'll do fine. You just got to be adaptable. That, and and that's and that's really what it is. And be flexible and know that you're going to and you got you got to just know you're going to make a mistake. Mm. And it'll probably be, and it'll probably be on the first quiz. That you uploaded, the, you know, the same page twice instead of two pages. <laughs> you know? So, and, you know. well, 
Yeah, actually, I did this uh, presentation the other day, and I made two slides about the Black Death, and I don't know why I did that. Yeah. Maybe it's a pandemic on the mind, you know? And I'm like, yeah. oh, man, I should really talk about the Black Death right here. And then later, oh, I should talk about it again. So I don't know. That was weird to me. Huh. All right. Well, uh, anyway, thanks so much for being on the podcast, Mike. I really appreciate you sharing your words of wisdom. You're a, you're a dude I definitely uh, see as kind of a mentor figure in the world of uh, education. It is an honor to be here, honestly. When you asked me, I was like, oh, I'm ecstatic. It is such an honor to be here. I know. And yeah, one day we'll do another episode in person because you've, you've visited yeah. me in Vegas a couple times, so we'll get you out here. Uh, anyway, so thanks a lot for listening. If anyone has any questions, please send an email to vegasmoderneducator at gmail.com. Thank you so much.